another episode of Financial Fitness with your host and my dad, Donald Raymond. Today, we talk about cutting cheese. Not what you think it means. Hope you enjoy. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. I um, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> we uh, we had a we had a conversation about this uh, over winter break, and I guess proof is in the pudding. A conversation turned into an intro for this uh, for this episode of Financial Fitness. And uh, for those of you tuning in, thank you for joining us. Uh, this is episode four of season two, and. I kicked season two off saying that this was going to be a season of practical budgeting, practical advice, and um, <laughs> I just I'm laughing because I keep thinking about the intro. So, so you just heard you just heard my son give the intro, and uh, it was a lot of fun doing that with him. He's a, he's a quick study. He did that. It was his third take, and uh, no editing. Zero editing. It was his third take. He wanted to read straight through. Took him a couple of days to to get the confidence to actually talk into the mic. Uh, but once I let him go, he was he was ready to go. And um, anyway, so so that was a lot of fun making that with him. And believe it or not, this idea, this topic was his idea. He he got a chuckle out of it as we were, you know, maybe you guys can use your imaginations uh, as a family, any family with young kids. Um, it's inevitable you're going to make some, you know, maybe some off-color jokes from time to time in a, in a particular category. And um, using the title of the episode, you guys can figure out what that category is, I'm sure, uh, without too much guidance from me. And so he got, he got a giggle out of, uh, out of this idea. And he actually is the one that turned it into a topic uh, for me to talk about on a podcast. And it was his idea for me to do a podcast uh, talking about this. And so I thought, you know, what better time than when we're talking about practical budgeting advice uh, than, than to try to weave this in somehow. And so here's here's how it connects. Here's the idea. <laughs> so uh, so so you heard the intro, cutting cheese, right? We all, we all know what that can mean, uh, but here's what it meant to my son. Very, again, you got to remember, so a little bit of context. He's, he's a very smart kid, um, a, a little neurotic like, like his mom and dad. I guess he comes by it rightly. And uh, he, he had this, you know, it was funny in the moment, but to him, it was also very practical uh, and very logical. And what I mean by that is you've got to take the two words and you just have to, you, you have to use them for what they are and what they mean in order to understand what, what this six-year-old is saying when he says cutting cheese. So we're talking about budgeting, having just you know some conversation in the car. We had a we had many hours on the road to go where we went for the for our winter um, for our winter vacation. We went skiing, and and my son did snowboarding this year. And he is a I got to say he is a natural talent when it comes to snowboarding. He's very very good. He got up on the board. He fell down a few times, sure, but got right up and made some adjustments, and down he went. And uh, it didn't take him long at all to tell me that he didn't need my help. And so I was just a spectator for the rest of the trip, which was fine with me. It was, it was a lot of fun. We got some great pictures and video and just had a great time. Um, but when he talked about cutting cheese as it relates to budgeting, okay, he said, well, 
you know, what if you bought, what if you bought the whole block of cheese? Is it more expensive or is it cheaper? Does it last longer? And what if you cut your own slices instead of, instead of paying to have somebody else cut those slices of cheese for you? Okay. So, so now the giggles are out. I can, I, now that I've, I've connected those two dots, I, I can talk about this now, I hope, uh, without, without laughing at myself too much through this episode. So, uh, so that was the example. That's that's the idea. As we look at our, you know, this is obviously now a grocery line, a grocery item that we can uh, challenge how much we spend on any kind of a regular basis in that category. And if we're willing to do a little bit of extra work, we can probably save some money. And so the idea was, you know, what can we buy in bulk, but not just bulk, what extra work activity can you put in as an individual or as a family activity where you can spend time together doing meal prep and um, consolidating that activity into more quality and value than a monetary transaction, right? So, so now we're grating cheese, we're slicing cheese, right? If we're using the the cheese as the uh, as the illustration, but think about other things that you can do. I mean, you can take this. Extreme couponers know that you can take this to an extreme where you essentially can get your groceries for nothing or even get paid to go grocery shopping. And now, and nowadays, if you're looking for an extra job, a little extra side hustle, go do DoorDash grocery, right? Or uh, uh, the, the Click grocery apps. I, I'm drawing a blank on some of the names of those. But there's, there's any number of apps now that allow you and enable you to generate grocery lists that can go be picked and delivered. And so for those that want to buy convenience, those of us looking for ways to save and potentially even generate additional revenue can take advantage of that. And we can use that as an opportunity to to take on a side hustle. And what if you could go earn your entire grocery budget on a side hustle and take that line completely out of your monthly budget needs? And even better than that, what if not only did you remove it from the budget, but you actually picked up an additional revenue line after the budget needs for the grocery line were met? So all of these, it's, a, it's an opportunity for creative thought. How many different ways can you adjust your thinking and adjust your activities and adjust your, um, your schedule during the week and the month to redirect some, I'm going to categorize this now as non-productive time, right? Redirect that into productive time. And then it's all about how do you calculate, or not calculate, but how do you quantify productive time? What does it mean to have productive time? And so for purposes of, of the context of this episode, that's going to mean that it's time spent either reducing cost or increasing revenue and income. So any any activities that you can put together that will do one or both of those things is a result of increasing your productive time. And in order if you assume that you're you're busy for 24 hours in, in the day doing something, right? We're all doing something. Some of that time is productive. Some of that time is non-productive. So taking some of the non-productive time and transferring it over to the productive side, if we use the filters of reducing expenses and increasing or producing 
new revenue and income, if that's our definition, if that's how we're quantifying productive time, then it can have a tremendous impact on your monthly financial health and fitness. So back to cutting cheese, right? (laughs) Every time I say it now, I hear my son saying it in the intro. And uh, it was his idea, by the way, to add the little line right after that that says, not what you think it means, right? So he says, he says, welcome to financial fitness. Today, we talk about cutting cheese, not what you think it means, right? That was his idea. He wanted to throw that in there. Uh, So now every time I hear it in my head, it it makes me laugh. But um, if we're willing to take some of our non-productive time to take a block of cheese that we can buy, maybe the block itself is at a total higher cost than the package of cheese you would have purchased uh, this week if you purchased cheese, right? Insert whatever is on your grocery list. But whatever packaging you're purchasing and whatever additional processing you're purchasing for convenience, um, just make sure that it's necessary. Or at, at least that you are willing and able to pay that cost. Because if it's outside of your budget ability, your income ability, and it's causing you to uh, either not be able to gain ground faster or actually lose ground against your budgeting goals, against your financial goals. And so instead of achieving higher levels of financial fitness, you realize that in this way, you are actually getting weaker then we really need to focus on how we can redirect some of that energy if it's out of alignment, right? So I want to be clear when I say uh, with any of these things that I am not assuming that you are not already doing well in this area. This, This message is for those that have room to make the adjustments in their lives, their financial lives. They have the need or have the opportunity to improve, Now, you could make the argument, just like with physical fitness, that we all can improve. We can always improve, right? There's always room for improvement. So that's that you just heard a uh, you just heard my past life speaking uh, as a continuous improvement professional, um, bringing opportunities to optimize to large companies and to streamline. And I do that now in a in a nonprofit capacity, but. This idea of being able to continuously improve, there's always room for improvement. You identify it, you take steps toward it, you make an improvement, right? And in season one, you heard me say, make a small change this week and learn from it. Make a larger change next week and learn from that. Now repeat, right? So here's the idea that that that's it right there in a nutshell is if we can continue to make all these little small improvements and build on them, the small improvements become bigger improvements and bigger and bigger and bigger the longer that we apply these principles. And so with something as simple as cutting your own cheese off of a block of cheese, making your own slices, cutting off the amount that you want on your sandwich or as an ingredient into a recipe, shredding cheese, instead of buying shredded cheese, you will see an improvement in your overall grocery spend. And then if you can really accelerate that idea and convert the spend into revenue. So now we're looking for ways to either totally um, offset the cost of our groceries by 
a method like extreme couponing. Now, I am not an extreme couponer. I don't, I don't pretend to know everything about it. I've seen the TV show. That's, that's the extent of my experience. My wife, from time to time, will take an interest in couponing, and she will save us a ton of money. Um, I've certainly seen the value. We've never been one of those uh, families that goes and loads up 24 shopping carts and actually gets money back from the grocery store when we check out. That's, that's never been our reality. But we've certainly seen the benefits of utilizing coupons on things that we buy anyway and seeing the reduced cost of that activity. So it is well worth it, right? And if these manufacturers are going to put the coupons out there, don't clip coupons for things you don't want or need, but clip the coupons for the items that you're going to buy anyway and simply utilize them during checkout, return them, and um, see, see the benefit. Take, take the, uh, the difference, the discount. And, and that's the easiest possible way. But, but again, as I mentioned before, in today's reality, there's more and more convenience out there that is available. And there are plenty of people, uh, some that aren't really able to financially, that do it anyway. Uh, but many, many, many people that have the means and choose to utilize some of the convenience options that are out there. And if we can be part of those convenience options, then we can turn that activity into revenue. And if you simply set out to put a side hustle together that completely offset your grocery cost and maybe even brought a little additional income in in excess of those grocery needs, you would be surprised what kind of an impact that would have positively on your budgeting for the month and for the year. So a couple of numbers for you. You guys all know by now I'm a numbers guy and um, – I, I've done this research before, so I, I didn't even have to prepare for this episode uh, because I already have the information in my head. Th this is one of those categories where just because I, you know, I wanted to do the best job that I could do for our family, it was a it was a topic that came up, and it's it always comes up, but it's come up years ago. It, it comes up over the years um, almost as a regular sort of introductory get to know you uh, conversation with almost everybody that I interact interact with in either a social or a professional basis is this this idea of lifestyle and grocery and food, right? We, we all, our society seems to be enamored with food and I like to eat um, and food is certainly how I eat. Um, and so, so knowing what I like to eat, where I can get it, how much I need to pay for it, that's all very important. So the average household, four-person household in America spends a little more than $12,000 on food in any given year. That's on average. There are some that spend a whole lot more and some that spend drastically less. But that ten dollars to $12,000 a year is a, a pretty consistent range year over year over year. In, in high um, cost of living years where inflation has driven the cost of goods that we're buying way up in this category, and in years where that cost has either been maintained or even reduced, we see this number pretty much being the same. And, and a lot of different variables drive that. Now, I come from, um, you've heard me talk about my construction background. That background comes from a, a time spent in the food industry. And so we were building facilities that were manufacturing food. And um, that food changes. The preferences of the customers, the consumers, you guys who are eating the food, your preferences change. And whether you, whether you realize it or not, a lot of those preferences are changing as a result of financial abilities. So as the cost of certain foods go up, 
the preference for those foods goes down, and that's replaced by a lesser expensive food. And so that's the game that the grocers are constantly having to manage, and restaurants are constantly having to manage, is providing food at a cost that is both appealing in its flavor profiles and its nutritional value, as well as the cost to consume it. And, and, and this is a, you know, that's a food-specific um, example, but this really is, is how all, something that all businesses have to constantly be aware of and looking for ways to improve for the consumer because the consumer is going to respond to some or a mixture of or all of the variables in any given market. And so knowing that, you have to really be in front of that curve, and somebody is always leading the charge, and it's, it's almost never the same somebody. Uh, there's always something out there, something new, something appealing. Uh, a new demographic of people becomes the larger demographic in a particular region, and so that drives preferences in a particular direction. Um, and and in, this, in this category of food and grocery, the thing to be aware of and the thing to always be paying attention to is how much we're spending on really first the food that we need to consume in order to be physically well and healthy for our families, and then how much of the work we're willing to put in. Now, the extreme example is that you go start growing and, and raising all of your food, everything from your proteins, your eggs, your meats, all the way to your vegetables and your fruits right? Everything, grains, all of it. You could start a farm, you could buy a big piece of land, you could, you could grow and you could cultivate all of your needs to sustain life. And for a long time, that's how humans existed. But if anybody's ever done any kind of farming, even small little you know, raised planters in the backyard, you will very quickly realize that if you plant a little bit of something, and we'll use beans for as an example, green beans or string beans. The um, the amount of produce that you get if they grow and they they produce the vegetable, you will get way more of that vegetable than you're able to consume. And that, of course, is what drove what we now have as as a modern market of goods moving around our country and throughout the world being traded, bought and sold and grown in different parts of the world, raised in different parts of the world where it can be done much more cost effectively and everybody benefits from that activity. So, so I'm not saying go buy a farm. What I am saying is that's an example of the extreme version of what we're talking about is a farmer or a farming family who decides that they are going to grow and cultivate everything that they need can eliminate their cost for their food and turn it into a revenue stream. So how many examples, like slicing your own cheese off of a block of cheese or a wheel of cheese, can you find to convert something that was a cost into either zero cost or potentially another revenue stream? Think about that and apply it to your daily financial uh, progress and your financial picture and your financial fitness will improve quickly and increasingly over time.
Well, thanks for indulging me uh, through that through that pretty fun uh, intro and this idea uh, that all came from what what could potentially be a very inappropriate uh, joke and and conversation, uh, but but you know just good clean fun. Uh, with anybody, again, if you've got kids, y- you've had this conversation probably uh, a million times, and and ours just took a different turn. You know, we we include Ethan, our son, um, in all of the in all of the budgeting conversation that we have as a family. And while that's not all we talk about, it's certainly a a large portion of what we talk about. Certainly with. What I do uh, as a career now as a financial coach uh, for both you know personal, uh, family, and small business finances, uh, it, it certainly is is um, a regular topic of conversation. My son knows what I do. Uh, my wife is still in corporate America, and so there's a healthy influence of the big business combined with some of the more uh, intimate aspects of a small business, family-owned business. Um, sole proprietorships, you know, they, they tend to bring a lot more uh, emotional connection um, and, and belief system into how you manage your funds. And I'll tell you, um, big, big businesses, while they can, they are necessary and they can be forces to be reckoned with and, and really create a lot of value out there, they have a uh, something missing um, when it comes to the competitive advantage that a small business has and and that is simply that intimate connection that a small business owner has with their business Um, some of the most creative people i've met in my life have been small business owners entrepreneurs that are looking for ways to reduce cost increase revenue and really add that value proposition to the customer almost exclusively when i'm having a conversation with a small business owner the focus is on the customer and the customer experience and solving their problem and offering value as opposed to having a conversation with somebody who's involved in big business. That conversation is much more focused on how to protect and increase the bottom line. And anyone who's spent any time in business development, whether it's big business or small local business or sole proprietorships, if you've ever owned a lawn business, right, we'll make it real simple. If you've ever cut grass uh, or done any kind of deliver, you know, delivered pizzas, whatever it is, you know that that value proposition for the customer, you have, you've identified a quote unquote problem that your client base needed solved and you simply went out there and solved it. If you were trying to sell something that nobody wanted, that's not a business. You'd, you'd have nothing at the end of the day. By contrast, if you go out there and you identify a need and you solve the need, you can virtually charge anything you want for that solution. And the market will dictate and tell you what that solution is worth. And we've seen this play out in lots of different ways. And so there's always an opportunity, I guess is what I'm saying. And, and I'm deviating a little bit from the grocery uh, connection here, but I just wanted to give you some real practical kind of connection to how this looks on a more global scale and let you know that, that whether you're an individual, whether you have a big family, a small family, if you're trying to run a business and apply these principles to a business, if you work for a larger business and you're in a, in a role, an influential role, where you can offer uh, any kind of influence uh, and have impact over the direction of the company and how they make decisions and look at the value that, that these different efforts can take and you know, places where certainly the old adage of it takes money to, to make money is true, 
if it's applied correctly. And so, so this is an example of that. If I if I spend money uh, for this, you know, our our cutting cheese example on a larger block of cheese at a lower per ounce cost, and I put in a little bit more effort myself, which is virtually free just a little bit of my time, but I can convert non-productive time to productive time, I essentially get to put that money in my pocket. And that's the idea, is how much non-productive time can you convert without having a negative impact on the family, but with having a positive impact on your financial fitness.